Hey there, we're getting started on episode number eight. Today we're talking about 360 degree feedback, the good, the bad, and how to. I'm interviewing consultant and colleague Greg Gregory, and we're going to talk about what can go wrong with 360 degree feedback, and he's going to share some of his specific cases of why he used to hate 360 degree feedback, what can go right, and and why he changed his mind and what he's been doing and how that has worked. He also will share a little bit of some success stories and real examples. He's also going to share how he debriefs a 360 feedback report, go step by step about through his process and how he what blind spots are and how he handles them. I think it's a good interview. He's a great guy. I'm glad he agreed to sit down with us and uh, let's get started. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Welcome. My name is Susie Price, and I am a professional facilitator and a consultant and author, and I'm excited about doing this podcast and so really glad you're here. I really, really appreciate your tuning in. I love that I get to do this work. I've been in my business since 2004, and prior to that, I was in corporate America, and this is all about professional development tools and employee selection, key areas that leaders, trainers, and consultants use to create a wake up eager workforce. And one of those tools that can be used in personal and professional development is the 360 degree feedback assessment or survey. It's a diagnostic tool. So it gives you insights into how people are perceiving another person's behavior and how well they're doing and how well they're not doing. It's a great tool to get and how it, what it is exactly is what you're doing is getting anonymous feedback and what I use is an online tool and that feedback is around specific traits and competencies uh, from your peers, your uh Direct reports can sometimes be your customers from the people you report to. So that feedback is all gathered online individually. People give their feedback on a person's, uh, uh, their, their, uh, experience with that person around specific areas. And then a, a report is compiled and, uh, that report is then reviewed with the individual who is going through this, is the subject of the 360 degree feedback. So it's a great tool if it's done well. And this podcast, episode number eight and episode number nine are going to be about 360 degree feedback. So hope you enjoy it. I hope it's helpful. If you want to find the show notes for today's episode, it is pricelessprofessional.com forward slash 360 feedback, 360 feedback, and that's all lowercase. All right, let's get to our interview. I also want to mention Greg and I have known each other a long time, and prior to starting the interview, I warned him that this was not about selling me or my services. It's more about sharing information, and uh, he does go in there a little bit about, he references me Many times, and he was not coached to do that. In fact, was coached the opposite, but he's that kind of guy. He, once he trusts and likes someone, he is very trusting and like really loyal to that person. So you'll hear a little bit of that in there. And just forewarn, I'm aware it's a little strong. Uh, hopefully you can kind of overlook a little of that and enjoy all the tidbits and his sharp mind. He's been a consultant for 30 plus years. 
He's a good man, and he's got great things to share with us. So let's get started on the interview. All right. I have Greg Gregory of Christopher Management Consultants on the phone today interviewing with me. We're going to talk about 360 feedback. Greg, thanks for being here. You're certainly welcome. Glad to be here. Glad you're here. A little bit about uh, Greg's background. He is the owner of Christopher Management Consultants that he started in 1988. Prior to that, he was a sales manager. And then prior to that, he was a pilot in the Air Force. And I met Greg Gregory. I remember the day I was getting certified in some of the assessment tools that we use, the Trimetrics. And you and I were in the certification together here in Atlanta. And, uh, Greg, you told me, we started talking about your business, and you told me about the story about starting your business. So why don't we start off, why don't you share a little bit about Christopher Management Consultants and uh, the day you started your business or the time period you started your business so people can kind of get to know you a little bit. Okay, well, it's, it's, uh, it's a little personal, and I'll, I'm glad to share it. Uh, I've been asked a number of times throughout the years um, what where the name Christopher Management came from. It's named for my son, Christopher. Um, the night we started our bid is, uh, New, well, actually New Year's Eve of 1987 was our last day in corporate America. And then um, the next day, of course, would be our first day in our new uh, business uh, franchise for a company called Priority Management. Unfortunately, on that New Year's Eve night, my son, uh, Christopher, who was a senior in high school, was involved in a terrible accident, a uh, traffic accident up in North Fulton County. And a piece of wood from a fence went through the window and uh, hit him in the head, and he was uh, taken to the hospital with uh, in, a, in very serious condition. He wasn't expected to live. And for a while there, we thought we would lose him. So we didn't have a name for the company. And we decided that uh, we would name it Christopher Management Consultants. And um, if Chris didn't make it, the business hopefully would. And if he did, then it would carry his name uh, on. Thank the Lord, he, he did live, and uh, the business did too. Became very uh, successful. At one time, it was the largest franchise in the Southeast United States for for this uh, company. So um, that's the background on the name. And it's it's a heartwarming story, and you have a heartwarming family. And um, what I've always uh, enjoyed about you, Greg, is uh, if I call you, you're going to tell me what you really think. <laughs> no home yeah. back, right? Uh, but you're fun, and you're smart, and you focus on the bottom line, but you also care, and you have a big heart and strong faith. And so I wanted to have you on the call today um, because of many reasons. One, you're just great to talk to. Two, you had some experience with 360 feedback plus all the other consulting experience you've had through your years and so we want to tap your wisdom so even though the the topic today is about 360 feedback we can kind of take it anywhere we want to go um, because anything you can share will help other leaders trainers and consultants who are looking at professional development so um when I first met you, we were doing the assessments, but I was also talking to you about 360 Feedback because I had a tool, and I still have that tool, 2020 Insight, that I use, and you and I had this really good conversation because you said, oh, I can't stand 360 Feedback, and you had had a bad 
experience, I think, with 360 feedback. And so I thought we could just kind of start there and talk about, you know, what happened that caused you. And that's, I, that's typically the response I get around 360 feedback. People either don't know what it is, they love it because they've had a good experience, or they hate it because they've had a bad experience. But it's usually one of those three. So um, what happened that caused you to have a strong opinion about 360 feedback and, you know, tell us a little bit about that situation? Well, as you said, uh, you know, for many, many years, probably uh, 20 years, I had no use for 360 feedbacks, primarily because of what I'd heard about them and what I'd yeah. seen in the uh, reaction of people who had been exposed to them. It from I, I have not done an exhaustive survey or anything like that on, on 360 feedbacks. I know there's a lot of 360s out there, but the result of the people that uh, that I'd seen with people who had taken it was that pretty negative. And it turns out that it seems that a lot of times the people were given this, this diagnostic and left with the uh, results with no follow-up or debriefing or coaching, and uh, it was kind of a so what moment. And the other thing I noticed was that if there was one negative uh, comment in the 360, that stuck with the individual where all the positive comments seemed to just evaporate. So it left me with a bad taste in my mouth, and I decided I didn't need that aggravation, so I just didn't use them. Yep. And then you said that you talked about people uh, kind of zeroing in on the negative comment. Um, are there other negative repercussions? Did you see people's performance go down when they didn't get any kind of support around the tool, or do you have any uh, additional things you saw around the yes, impact? I, I, I was called into a company uh, few years ago that had a department of about 150 people, had a vice president was in charge of the uh, department, and there were four um, assistant vice presidents that had departments under that, and they weren't getting along at all. It was just dysfunctional, and so they asked me to come in and see if I could figure out what was going on and how I could help them, and as it turned out, it was just two of the uh, AVPs were at each other's throat and had been for years. Nobody it seemed everybody seemed to have forgotten how long it had been going on, but it was a mess. And one of the things they told me is that one of the participants in this thing had been through a three sixty that would had been uh, administered at a local college. And the only thing that they got out of it that I could see was they were shaking their heads when they got the three sixty. Well these are the things that are wrong. Uh, very little that they mentioned that was right, but there was no remedy. They mm. really didn't have a, a remedy. And I was left wondering, why'd you do the 360 in the first place? So mm -hmm. that, was a, that was a negative experience and uh, one that I remember. And uh, the outcome was that uh, the, the situation didn't get better. It got a lot worse. And finally, they had to... Uh, uh, reassign one or two or both of these uh, individuals uh, and then work on reconstruction departments. Mm -hmm. So in that case, they they thought they were using the tool to help some of these folks get along better, but when each person got their results, they either shrugged their shoulders or got more defensive? Is that well, what you turns out, I think they only gave one of the participants the 360, oh. which I never understood that either. And oh, I, okay, yep. I think they were looking for uh, an answer in the 360, but uh, <laughs> the people that were doing it 
didn't didn't know how to coach or didn't do a follow up or whatever. And as I said earlier, just the raw information can be uh, devastating. I think the person who, who received the 360 was left with uh, their feelings hurt and not understanding why they'd been subjected to that. And the people who administered, I mean, the company that administered it, um, did so with the best of intentions. Uh, right. They wanted to find a way to solve this friction that was going on, but they really weren't qualified to do it. And as it turned out, it did more harm than it did good. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a mistake I often see where people use the 360 instead of a conversation, you know, or to, or to single out Amen. one person who seems to be, quote, unquote, the problem. <laughs> right. And like, okay, we don't want to have the conversation, so let's just let everybody else have it. And so this person gets piled on on upon, which just uh, makes them more defensive and, like you said, devastated, probably. Interesting. So no wonder you didn't like 360s, and no wonder you and I probably had some spirited conversations, if I remember right. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, you decided to try 360 feedback, and it, it uh, you you must have had you had a situation. I'm trying to remember what it was, and it seemed a better fit. Um, and then I had talked to you a little bit about the tool I use. Tell me about why you decided to try it again after you have a very strong opinion and you've seen some negative, why did you decide to try it again? And, you know, did it make a difference? And if it did, why? What What did you do differently this time? What was different this time? Well, basically, the reason I tried it was, was you. As you know, and everybody that knows you, is you can be pretty convincing. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you, all people. I know. Uh, and... Beyond that, you have a lot of credibility with me. I'm not easily impressed with, with anything, certainly not new fads or anything like that. But based on the uh, the work we've done together, as you mentioned earlier, I'd grown to, to recognize you as uh, being smart, professional, uh, good character, and honest. All the things, the values that I think are uh, important. And I trust you. And when you said, uh, Greg, I've got this... Um, thing here that might uh, interest you, I was willing to listen to you. If it had been anybody else, I probably wouldn't want to hear about 360, but you were so convinced that it was uh, an exceptional tool that I was more than willing to, to listen, and I'm glad I did. Now, uh, that's why I made the decision to uh, hear about it. Uh, did you ask me to go into why I used it? Yeah. If you're good, yep. Yeah, I, I, when I looked at it, the, the, um, this uh, 2020 insight, um, there were so many features on it that I had never seen in, in, a, in uh, a diagnostic before, particularly a 360, that I was extremely impressed. Number one, it was, it was uh, very flexible. Um, you could build the, the 360. Uh, yourself based on uh, a variety of questions, as you know, there's a menu of questions you can pick from to, to structure your 360. So it wasn't an off-the-shelf, uh, one-size-fits-all kind of thing. I really like that. Um, I like the fact that on each question, the raters had an opportunity to make a comment. Now, many times people didn't, but a lot of them did, and that that was uh, very interesting to me. Uh, provides a lot of coachable moments, if you will. Yeah. The other thing about the three this three sixty is you can't just 
you can't just look at it and hand it to someone and read it to them if they can read it themselves. This gets into debriefing a little bit, but right. um, there's so many things in this 360 that if you hold it back at 10,000 feet and look at it, it's telling you a lot of things. Things like scoring trends. Uh, you know, the, how many people gave this person a four as opposed to a ten? And if you got one on either end, then in my mind, I'd just throw those two out because right. they're extremes. So the, the scoring uh, trends that are on there tell you a lot if you just look for uh, what the real uh, scores are, the averages, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, the other thing I liked is that there, I call it PBS, uh, possible blind spots. 360s are really good. Any 360 is good about exposing blind spots. And we all yeah. have them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a, a very valuable piece of this. Now, how you handle the blind spots is another subject, but exposing them is important. Positioning them in your debrief so that the person receives them well is another thing. Oh, the other thing, recommendations for development. You know, this is the part that I really like the most. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just, as we've said before, I don't like handing somebody a diagnostic, say, there it is, and there's your answer. Uh, This particular one has recommendations for development. Now, um, it's not as good as coaching, but it certainly gives a jumping-off point for a coach that wants to follow up, and it tells people, here are the sits- here's your grade, here's your scores, here are things that you ways you can improve, and I really like that. Of course, mm-hmm. it's got the lowest and highest rated issues, and then the summary questions. I really like the summary questions at the end, where um, an individual, uh, well, each individual that takes it has the opportunity, if they're willing, to answer the questions. Uh, there's a couple, I believe, is that... Um, Tell the individual that's being rated how they think they can improve. And that always generates a lot of uh, subject for conversation. And so this 360 gets you involved with the uh, person that's being rated to the point that you're actually there helping them as opposed to just uh, handing them a, a sheet of paper. Yeah, I would say most people who hate 360 had the, what you just said. Somebody handed it to them, and they were just left with the data. Absolutely. I think if this is done properly, people see the 360 in a friendly way. Gosh, this thing helped me a lot. I've got, I've got right. some experience with that. But like you said, if it's just handed to somebody, it's, that's a tremendous error. Yeah, tremendous error. Um, so you decided to use it. You gave a great laundry list of what I think are the special items, which was why I was so determined to review it with you way back when. And at least say, look at it, and you did. And thank you for saying all those nice things. I appreciate it, and I feel the same about you. Um, but uh, so when you used it this time, and I, I know we will keep the scenarios generic because we don't want to reveal any any confidential client information, but can you talk a little bit about, okay, I used it this time or a couple different times. What difference did it make to the person? Any specifics you can think of, you know, the person you were coaching, any success stories or trouble spots or um, any scenarios you can share us, share? Well, it's hard to measure the results of, of these things. You're talking about soft skills. And right. as you know, there's a big difference between teaching or coaching hard skills than there is coaching uh, soft skills. 
Uh, I'm convinced that's why there's not more people in in the coaching business because when you start dealing with soft skills, um, yeah. changing people's behavior, their attitude, um, those kind of things, it takes time. And mm-hmm. generally, what's happened with me over the years is that people uh, come back and they want this person trained or this person coach, but they know it's going to take a year for they'll see the difference or six months to a year. So with the 360, it was hard. It's hard to go back and point to anything and say, well, this is this 360 caused this. I can say that I've had um, I've had two occasions that stand out uh, as opposite extremes. I would say. In one case, um, this 360 was used with a high-level uh, executive at a company who um, was pretty hard-nosed, um, focused, and in general, um, pretty. For some people, it was hard to get along with. Once the uh, 360 was used, debriefed, and even some coaching. Um, the individual um, said all the right things, responded appropriately and all that, but uh, years later, I can tell you, nothing changed. That right. made no difference at all. On the other hand, I had um, the president of a uh, company, that actually president of a division of a company, ask for the 360 uh, based on what... Um, he had heard about it from other folks and that had taken the, the uh, diagnostic. Um, I was very surprised. And actually, I was more fearful for him than, than he was because I didn't know what was uh, going to come out and how he would handle it. I always like to debrief the 360 with uh, the individual's uh, supervisor involved. Uh, the expectation is that supervisor will carry on the uh the lessons learned and reinforce uh, the progress and the growth of the individual based on, I know that doesn't always happen, but that's the hope. Well, in this case, this uh, president wanted to do it. We actually did it. We uh, did the debrief. um, And since we were in three different areas, we did it on the phone. And um, the results I thought were extremely good. Uh, I think the, um, the presidents uh, that, that took the uh, 360, I think his stock went up with his boss. Uh, the fact that he was willing to subject himself to open criticism, plus or minus, uh, with a total motivation uh, to improve, I think that I think that impressed everybody, including me. Mm-hmm. And down the road now, it's been several years now, that uh, division is doing extremely well. And it's very successful. So, again, I can't say that the 360 caused that, but I think that uh, it had a definite positive impact in the whole thing. So with the first person, uh, there was kind of a lack of commitment or buy-in from the individual. And with the second person, it was the exact opposite. The president of the division, he was 100% bought in. In fact, he even initiated it. (laughs) So 
those are two right. good examples about uh, buy-in, and it's just such a good story of no matter what tool you have, uh, people may or may not make the change in a big piece of that formula. You have to, we have to do everything as coaches and consultants to come in with the most effective tool and have the uh, you know an effective process and provide the support and accountability. But at the end of the day, the individual has to be ready to make the changes or you know uh, leverage the strengths and uh, you know be open to the feedback and all of that. And we can only control our piece of it, so that's interesting. And that's great. I, yeah, that, I would add. I would add to that that before a company does a three six, they should stop and ask themselves, "Why are we doing this?" Exactly. And yep. If if they come up with a with an answer that they're trying to help the individual improve in some way, uh, it, it may be identifying some of these blind spots, and that's how we're going to start our improvement. They have to also consider how they're going to follow up after the three sixty is administered. Because the 360 is going to give you the truth, whether you like it or not. Right. Uh, and so they need to have a full plan. Uh, I don't think a 360 is a standalone product. We've talked about that. I think there needs to be a plan. Okay, we can do, do the 360. Uh, we need somebody that's competent in debriefing this thing to do it. I recommend a coach like you uh, uh, or me. I could do it. Or the uh, And then after that, how are we going to – uh, follow up and encourage and help this person uh, stay on the track to improve. And that gets into accountability, and that mainly that's the supervisor that the individual works for. So there's a lot of – you actually coach a supervisor, too. They don't know it, but right. you actually are. So yep. that, to me, is the plan. You should have a plan before you use the thing, in my opinion. Yes, yes. Yes, I know my husband did a 360, and he thought, oh, that was interesting. He showed it to me, and then it went on the shelf. Never exactly. did anything with it. Yeah, And he's very motivated and open to feedback, but if there's nobody kind of going through it with you and saying, how can we use this? Yeah. So the other thing I, I think is interesting with what you said about it's going to tell you the truth is what's interesting about 360 feedback is people might not like the information, but it is – others' perceptions, you know, so it's That's such a highlight true. where, you know, if people can get an assessment like our trimetrics and uh, generally there's a lot of buy-in there, but they, people could very quickly say, well, that's not me, that's just some assessment, but with the 360, what's so credible about it if it's done right is, okay, these are, this is what people may think. They may not be, you know, perceiving what you're intending to send, but that's their perception and their perception is reality as we've all heard so um yeah, but we as coaches too i hate to interrupt you there but there's one thing no that comes you're not mind. as coaches we have to be careful too that there's two extremes here there's the person who uh is rating the individual who has an axe to grind and yep. they take every opportunity they can to be negative that happens sometimes doesn't happen always but it does happen sometimes it and does happen if you look yeah you got to look for that but on the other side there's the uh, person who uh, who just loves this individual and thinks they're the most wonderful thing in the world, and they're going to always overrate the person. So the coach has got to be smart enough, in my opinion, to pick out um, places where the uh, there's an individual overrating or underrating this person. And again, that's the places I throw out uh, those comments. Yeah. I'm looking for the people who are just plain being honest and they have no uh, agenda or anything like that. 
and it's easy when you're an outside person. Like if I'm looking at my own 360, and my head is roaring a little bit, and I'm, I can't really look at it very objectively. I can't over time, you know. But for us as an outside person, or even an internal coach that has no bias or a limited, you know, to no agenda, that you can actually you can look at these results and really see the trends, and you can kind of almost clearly see, okay, what's an outlier, high and low, um, right? And they really need support for that, so. So it does get to the truth, though, but it only helps if if there's support and if the you know there's accountability and all of that which you talked about. I have to have a full plan. So you have many tools in your tool chest. You've, you've worked with different companies with different training tool sets, and you have the Trimetrics assessment and 360. When would you decide to use a 360? What kind of scenario would you say, okay, a 360 is applicable here, but not here? You know, what kind of coaching and development scenarios do you think if somebody's not ever done a 360? When, in your, with your advice, would you say someone should consider it or a company should consider it? Well, I think you bring up a very important point for coaches. Uh, you're very good at this, and I know that, and um, I try to be. You have access, to, We, you and I both have access to a lot of diagnostics. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always been like you go to the doctor, and he uh, doesn't all tell everybody. If he tells everybody, he comes to see him every day, take two aspirins, call me in the morning, then some of those people are going to get sicker probably all yep. of them. So I think when, when you're a coach and you're working with people that you have to be motivated by what will it take to help this individual wherever they are. And that means that each person is treated as, as an individual with their own individual uh, situation. For me, uh, any diagnostic uh, is used uh, when it will accomplish what you're trying to do. In this case with the 360, I would normally recommend it when um, you have a, a person who, maybe like this president I was telling you about, who honestly wants to figure out all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, mm-hmm. and improve, that's an excellent place to use it. Uh, if you've got a situation where you've got uh, a problem in a department and nobody seems to be able to put their finger on it, uh, I'm, as you know, I coach leadership. John Maxwell, probably one of the best coaches, one of the best authors about leadership, I think. He says everything rises and falls on leadership. And I agree with that and believe it wholeheartedly. So if you got a department that's uh, malfunctioning and they're hitting on all cylinders, um, the 360 might be a good thing to do, remembering that you can do a 360 on the leader, but you can also do this uh, 2020 insights, you can also use it on the whole team. Right. And I've done that. And that gives you excellent perspective. It gives the uh, leader excellent perspective. So it's kind of an on an individual basis when you would recommend it. But I would recommend it when I want to seek out blind spots that an individual or team might have. Uh, maybe their uh, dysfunctional morale might be low or whatever. Uh, to me, those are good times to use it. And is there any time that you'd say that's a bad time? Don't do it there. Um, I know it's got to be individual, but um, just curious. I don't know if there's a bad time to use it. Um, I would say the only bad time to use it is if there's no commitment. 
from yeah. uh, the senior management to follow through if they're just doing it as an exercise. You know, companies will pay a lot of money to Im- for their employees to improve. I'm convinced of that. Uh, right. Budgets don't matter when they if they're going to actually get improvement. What happens yep. is they're doubtful that this may work or that may not work, and then we, you know, when things get tight, the first thing they cut is the trading budget, which never made any sense to me. Uh, but that's what happens. And uh, so you got to have credibility with the companies or the people somehow, some way. And, and in your case, you, you make a recommendation, I'm sure, too. You've got a lot of clients. If you make a recommendation to them, they'll listen to you. Well, mm-hmm. that's been my experience, too. So you've got to be careful where you make the recommendation and what you recommend, and you've got to follow through and make sure that it um, uh, survives the diagnostic and that the person actually gets help. I can't right. think of any places where it would actually be bad, but uh, there probably are some, depending on your judgment. Right, right. Sometimes what I've seen is if it's a really low-trust environment, um, it, it could you know, if it's low trust, then people aren't going to be very honest. Really low trust, you know, you go in yeah. and you know it. I mean, so you you do maybe a team survey as opposed to having individuals get feedback from each other because um, sometimes in the low trust, it either they give vanilla vanilla feedback or they give uh, very hurtful feedback. <laughs> so, that's right. And, you and know, so that's definitely. Let's face it, some of the leaders, some of the people we've run into in business are weak leaders. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got people reporting to them. And if one of these people came to me and they wanted me to uh, use this thing uh, with one of their people that they're having trouble with, um, I'm going to immediately, flags are going to go up because I know yeah. this person's not going to get any uh, support coming out of it. And um, I might try to avoid that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thought, too. Good. Well, let's think, talk about um, how you debrief. You have such good experience, and you're very thoughtful about what you do, um, and that can be challenging to internal people who are helping debrief or outside consultants. So tell me a little bit about the process you use, as many steps as you're willing to share about you know, how you go from hey, we've told you, Mr. or Mrs. Leader, you're going to get a 360 to actually sitting down with them. What, what is the process you use to, you know, from that process through helping them understand their results? Well, my debrief take of, of this uh, particularly 360 takes probably about an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, and I prefer to do it face-to-face. Can't always do that, but it's better face to face. And I always like to have the individual supervisors, as I said, in the room, and we're all sitting there together with a copy of the uh, 360. Um, I look at it first before I ever go into the debrief. Uh, I take it apart mentally and physically. I get a copy and I mark it up with a red pen. Uh, the things that I want to point out. And it tells me a lot. I look at the scores, how many people, uh, like I said, have extreme scores. How did the individual grade themselves versus their boss? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest That can of be the, interesting, yep. That can be very interesting, exactly. Um, so if you look, this thing will tell you a lot of stuff. So the debrief is not about reading the report to the individual. They can read it themselves. Um and but it takes me about an hour and a half because I've got to go through each question, at least touch each question. 
Right. But mainly what I've done when I go in there, I've got a, my marked up sheet, and if there's anything that um, he could, uh, that I can point out that uh, or ask a question about, then that's a coachable moment, and I'll generally do that. For instance, I'm looking at one here, and a comment from one of the uh, people says uh, something that this person could do is trust his direct report reports capabilities a little more. And I wrote out beside that why. Um, and in the debrief, I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask that. Oh, what do you think of that? Do you think do you agree with that? Uh, and if, depending on what his answer is, um, why do you why is that your answer? So I go through each question and I look for the high spots. You, you obviously don't have time to go into great detail on each one, but it will tell you a lot if you look at it. And yep. then uh, I, I go through each part of it. I get back to the um, place where you can uh, area for development. I look at that, and uh, at that point, I'm trying to uh, set the stage for what are we going to do next? Because right. I don't want to leave them with just a debriefed um, 360. That's better than just giving them a 360, but you still haven't right. given them a remedy at that point. And right. a remedy right. is what they should be looking for. So at this point, I'm at, at, toward the end of the debrief, I'm going to um, – Together, we're going to arrive at some action steps. Uh, we're going to do this, or we're going to do this. We're going to follow up in 30 days, or we're going to, you know, something, depending upon yeah. the particular debrief. Uh, these are the expectations that we have. Uh, I prefer myself to, to be in the follow-up process, but it doesn't have to be that way. But somebody's going to follow up with this individual to uh, see how, uh, and if you can, make the um, action steps as measurable as you can. Right. And uh, uh, go from there. And then when you have that particular follow-up, it gives you some insight into how it's going and what needs what the next steps may be. That's my process. Right. Now, uh, do you give the 360 to the supervisor and the person being rated prior to your meeting, or do they see it the first time with you? Just a little thing that I think people struggle with that sometimes. Do I give it to them in advance? And if so... Uh, do I just do it the night before our meeting? What do you do, and what's worked best for you? I'd like to give it to them just before, uh, for, like the day before the meeting. Okay. I don't, you don't want to give it to them a week ahead of time for nope. some of these things to ferment, you know, and become a real yep. problem. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't. I think if you catch them by a complete surprise in the debrief, right. they have not had time to think it over, and you really yep. can't go very far with a remedy. Nope. And how uh, do you give the supervisor a copy as well? Yes. In advance. And how involved do you have the supervisor in the meeting? Are they sitting there? Are you asking them questions? Are you trying to get him or her engaged in what he or she sees? Or how does that go? What's the best scenario that well, you've seen? Actually, in my mind, I'm coaching them both. Now, the supervisor yeah, yeah. Thinks <laughs> that's good. They yeah. think that they're there just to uh, because they're the boss, but they they are. But I'm coaching them both because I know if this supervisor does not get involved in the corrective process down the road, right. the results are going to be diminished. So um, throughout the debrief, I'm, I'm talking to the, the person that's uh, taking the 360, but it, when the opportunity presents itself, I also talk to the supervisor. This is something you want to be sure and follow up on, make sure that blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Um, you got to have the courage, and that's one thing about coaching. You know that you got to have yep. the courage to tell people 
the truth. Uh, so I'm not real interested in what they might want to hear. I'm more interested in telling them what I really think, and then they can do whatever they want to with it. So, yeah, I coach them both. Yep. I'm more subtle with the supervisor than I am with the radar, but uh, it's, yep. it's a dual process. And um, you talked earlier about uh, blind spots, and you made, I can't remember what you said exactly, but you are preparing them to understand their blind spots and you find ways to set it up so they can be comfortable in hearing about them. Uh, Any more you'd like to say in the debrief about uh, handling blind spots? You just talked a little bit about being direct and then turning to the supervisor and saying in a subtle way, make sure we want to follow up on this. What else would you say about blind spots, those things we have that we don't see always but other people do? Well... Blind spots, let's define blind spots. Blind spots are things that uh, we do or things that are in our uh, nature, our personality or something that um, may be very positive or may be very negative, but we're not aware of the impact that it has on other people. Right. Um, so it may be something. So this is why I go through the report pretty thoroughly before I ever get into debrief. I'm looking for those things as part of what I'm looking for. If I see something that's very positive, uh, and I know if, if I've talked to the individual, I always have at this point, I know a little bit about them, that yep. is very uplifting, and uplifting is kind of what they need, then that's a blind spot they aren't aware of or not willing to admit. And I want to point that out when we get there and, and make a big deal out of it. Yep. On the other hand, if there's a, something there that's negative, and there always is, um, right. that can uh, can have a negative impact on the individual, then I want to prepare ahead of time for how we're going to uh, get to give them the truth and right. at the same time give them uh, some hope. In other words, here's what it says. Do you agree with that? Do you, do you see yourself doing that or whatever? And depending on what they say there, say, okay, it, this is probably a blind spot that we all have them. Um, and this happens to be one of yours. Let's talk about how we can uh, work on correcting that. And depending on what it is, you go from there. Mm-hmm. So you mitigate as much as you can, but you don't downplay it. I mean, you never make, uh, if it's a negative and a real uh, blind spot, you can't negate it and say, well, that doesn't make any difference. That's foolish. Uh, no. It is what it is. But uh, you try as best you can to um, give the person uh, hope uh, and that you know you can change that. I've had situations. I don't know whether this you want this particular story or not, but it's a very interesting one. Absolutely. Uh, years ago, um, a big company. If I tell you the name, everybody would know who it is. That I'd done a lot of work for uh, gave a 360 from uh, their HR department, and. Um, one of their senior uh, leaders uh, took it, and one person uh, out of all the raiders had some very negative comments to make. And it shook this person up so much that they, the company paid me a lot of money to fly back and forth to this location and work with this person to get them past 
what the 360 was saying and, and the fact that it was only one person. There were several good comments in there. But uh, some interesting revelations came out, too. The, this particular individual um, realized that um, they had a closer affiliation to their people that reported to them than they did to the very staff that they were a part of and their boss, which mm-hmm. I had never seen before. They just had misplaced their sense of loyalty to some extent. And I pointed out that I mean, you're a standard bearer for the for the organization. You have to be supportive of what it's doing, regardless of what the troops think. Now you you want to be good to the troops, and you want to be honest with them, and so on. But uh, you're a policymaker, yeah. and that seemed to be a revelation to this particular uh, person. But yep. in itself was a revelation to me because oh, everybody knew that. But um, it turned out that. Because it was not debriefed, because, as we said before, it wasn't followed through on, it was a very expensive solution for this organization, just simply because of the damage the 360 did. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's a blind spot because if we knew it, we might would do something about it. And so if somebody just gives you the data and then doesn't give you an opportunity to work it through and think it through differently, I mean, behavioral change, another another one of the podcasts we did, I did about behavioral change. And actually, it's the founder of 2020 Insight, Danny Coates, talked about that, how hard it is for us to change our our patterns. And, you know, somebody hands me something and I, I it's a blind spot. I mean, like for this person, exact, especially, you know, it's like, well, why were they saying that? Oh, that's just somebody negative. And no, he needed additional conversation and, and your kind of objective guidance um, to say, wait a minute, what does this mean? And, oh, I am actually doing that, you know, so it's it, the data isn't enough. Um, and I think, go. Well, no, I go. apologize. I just something hit my mind. And, you know, with me, if something hits my mind right now, I better say it because I'll. <laughs> and I know it's good and important, so I want to hear it. <laughs> uh, we never know when we work with someone what their sense of self-esteem is. Right. I've been very surprised at people at high levels whose self-esteem wasn't as high as you might think it should be. And right. when they receive bad news, um, it's it can be almost crushing. That's the way it was with this individual. I was very surprised. So depending upon the psyche of the individual, I think that that some people can take the, like this president I was telling you about, can take the information, the good, the bad, and the ugly, absorb it, and use Mm -hmm. it. And there are other people that can't. So again, the coach has got to be sensitive to that and make sure that you get the job done regardless of what this person's sensibilities are. Yep, and to that point, I've had some success with the twenty twenty insight. The three, if I was in, if I'm in there long term, and it's a situation where they, you know, have the have the ability and commitment for the development of an individual or a group of individuals to actually do the assessment piece, the thing that does measure, you know, where is somebody um, style wise, driver wise, and you know, how do they think about themselves and others? You know, the assessment piece, along with not all at once, but in a process or program with the 360, um, if you really 
wanting to do a powerful build the bench bench uh, process that is strong because in the assessment piece you can see where they measured on sense of self and I mean you get a lot of advance notice on internally how strong they are or you get some advance notice on you know maybe they're misreading or not listening to others very well or you know there's lots of insights that then the perceptions of others they they both go can go hand in hand um so I don't know if you've ever done both of those, that using the trimetrics and the 360 on an individual, or do you tend to stay away from that? No, no. I, I think that you're absolutely spot on. Uh, I think companies, if they're smart, if a company comes to me and says, look, I want to do a 360, my first question is going to be why. Because, yeah. again, you know, as we said before, what's the motivation? But the way you're going about it is the way that I would go about it. I, I would encourage a company that if they want to, their employees to improve, uh, come to you, uh, give you that information, and let you take over the responsibility for helping the employees repro- improve. Because like, just like the doctor, one may have a broken arm, the other one may have a cold. Right. And right. you're and, yeah. you're very qualified, and you've got a lot of different remedies and tools that you can use, and uh, you could go in and do uh, assessments based on what you think that particular situation calls for, and then from that give them uh, ways to improve and and things you could recommend. Um, you're very good at that. I think that that'd be exactly the way it should be done, and it's uh, on an individual basis or an individual right. department basis, whatever it is. Uh, there's no one way to do to this in my mind. No, no. Okay, so I love you sharing your process because uh, that sometimes I think people get um, a little stuck there. You know, like okay, now how do I actually debrief? You know, so uh, walking people through that, and I love what you shared. And then um, there's also a process that we try to get people to do in the communication of um, the rolling out of a 360. And I love what you said. The first question I'm going to ask is why. Why do you want to do this? And so part of the communication that I try to encourage is um, share share with folks verbally and via email or letter uh, why you're doing this. You know, why is it important to you, the leader? Why is it important to the company? And why is it important to the person being rated? And if they can't a- answer those questions, they don't know why yet, and uh, they don't need to move forward. Susie, I think that you've got something on your website that I uh, found the other night that I really like. The, the 13 reason, mistakes that companies make uh, yeah, yeah. when they do 360s, I would say that uh, that those are excellent. Those are A lot of those are the reasons I didn't like them in the first place. Right, and yeah. Secondly, uh, those are, you're exactly right, those are classic mistakes and uh, that people make. And if people are considering 360 then that's a good place for them to take a look and 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 decide if that's what they you know what do they really want to do again i really think the best solution is to go to a trusted coach like yourself and say here we've got a problem here we want to correct and let you work on coming up with a a solution figuring Um, out whether that's the best solution or not yep you're trained to do that and as much as they'd like to I've seen very few people in HR departments or in uh, uh, companies who they got jobs to do. They got widgets to sell or things that they have to do. And you can't mm-hmm. expect them to be uh, 
coaches and, and everything to the extent that you are. Uh, and so I think that's a big benefit there if they just recognize that and let you, the professional, come in and actually show them and make recommendations on how they can improve. They can always say no. But, right. Um, they can always say no, that's right. Yeah, I didn't know that you were going to uh, be um, so uh, supportive and selling me <laughs> well, <laughs> during this. I got well, you on here because you're so smart, and it's well, your I, wisdom. But it's yeah, okay, you told me too. I you told me I couldn't talk if I didn't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I did I, not. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I know. I know. I'm I know. being honest. I, 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 I just think that I've been impressed with it. I've watched you over the years. I, I get your newsletter. Uh, I think you're very good at what you do, and um, – I don't have any problem at all supporting you. I, I selling you, if you will. I, there, there are plenty of places where I'd recommend that you go if I need help. And, and, and I have in the past, and you've helped me many times. So I have no problem with it. Um, it is what it is. Well, well, thank you. Um, success stories. You've talked a little bit about. Um, well, maybe, and maybe we've covered them. We talked about the president of the division. Any other, and you know, we know it doesn't tie directly to the 360. I mean, uh, just because you did a training class and a manager gets promoted doesn't mean it was because of the training class. But, uh, if there's a, a, a line that indirectly leads to some success and development, do you have a story or two in addition to what we share that you'd like to add around, um, how this made a difference? How how getting feedback from other people helped? Or well, again, uh, I have nothing that, that points to any specific document. I did have a nice thing happen to me uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, this company I've uh, done work for uh, had asked me to coach and this uh, leadership coach to coach this particular individual, and at the time. They were kind of scratching their head over what are we going to do here. And I did work with that individual. Um, I don't believe he got the 360, to be honest with you. I don't think he did. But That's we a good coaching him, story. I coached him on, on leadership principles, which you know people just don't understand leadership many times. And uh, I believe it was a year later he um, got a big promotion and – his boss, which was the vice president of the company, um, asked me to be in attendance at the all-employee meeting where he got his promotion. And he said, you helped him so much, I want you to come and um, uh, see him get his promotion. And that meant a lot to me, and I really appreciate it. So that's a feel-good story that I can share. I like that. And then how long, just to give, if people aren't used to having coaches coming in, how long were you with this person? And and what were, like, some of the general presenting challenges? Was it just not understanding the principles of leadership? So how long were you with them, and then kind of what were the initial uh, development opportunities? Uh, I had worked with this individual one time before, and on this occasion, I believe I worked with him about a year, the the year. Um, That's an hour a week, and, of course, you – have times when you don't can't meet vacations and stuff. I figure if you uh, if you're coaching somebody that you'll see them about uh, forty sessions a year is what I figure. And mm-hmm. so that was the length of time. And um, the whole in this case, uh, 
leadership principles um, are there's some that are very simple. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I mean, that's really true. Um, and if you read the paper, pay attention, or if you're a casual observer, you can see where the absence of leadership can have a big effect. And you can also see if you do reading, I think you've got to read a lot uh, <laughs> about uh, recognized leaders, uh, Churchill, Martin Luther King. There's a lot of famous leaders that we've had and there's a lot of information to be gleaned there so but the average person who is a middle manager or so on many times has never had one course in leadership nowhere right and you have to start with the basics with that person you're dealing with now dealt with this coach leadership to this president for a number of years and we started at a much higher level talking concepts and, and attitudes and those kind of things. So it depends on where the individual is and what you're going to coach them on, but you have to go where they are. I think that's one of the biggest secrets to coaching is you have to go where the individual is. Yep. Emotionally. You are spot you know, on. We're going to highlight that one. Yep. You know what I mean? You can't yep. just do it the same way every time. You have got to learn a little bit about the individual, and you go where they are, and you start them wherever they are, and you build on it. And if yep. you try to, if you don't do it that way, you're going to overwhelm them, or you're going to underwhelm them. And yep. either of those ca- cases just doesn't seem to work. But that's my way. I don't know whether I answered your question or not, but that's that's my way yep. of doing it. And then I think you have mentioned to me before one of the resources you like uh, when you're coaching leaders, and of course you're going to gear what you share uh, and what you work on with them based on where they are, based on what you said and what I know about you, but you're a very big fan of John Maxwell's books, correct? Yes, right. Yep. And well, oftentimes you like, He's got a number. He's probably written about 40, maybe 60, I don't know, a number of books. A bunch. And yeah. uh, it's amazing to me how they don't really overlap that much. I thought they would. Uh, he has some um, some tenets that go from book to book. And for instance, he defines leadership as influence, just one mm-hmm. word. Now, I've got another definition but uh, that I like better. What's but, yours? Uh, 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 leadership is the, the art of motiv- motivating others to... The art of motivating others to want to struggle for shared aspiration. You caught me off guard. <laughs> I haven't said that. Uh, uh, the art of motivating others to want to struggle for shared aspiration. Uh, and he, I, when I explain that definition, I always start at the end. If you're going to have, if you got to have a, if you got a leader, then you got. Maxwell says you, you're not a leader if you don't have followers. And, right. Um, if you have followers, the assumption is that there is a um, there's some expectations that you're, you're all trying to reach, aspirations that you're trying to reach, and you just back up. Uh, getting somebody to want to struggle is almost impossible. So a good leader mm-hmm. does that. And I think of Colin mm-hmm. Powell. He's got a great book out. Uh, it worked for me, and I really like. Now, his book is is very little about leadership principles, but all about execution. Right. And so, I don't use it. I use it kind of with advanced leaders, but it's excellent. And he just again tells it like it is. I have a great deal of respect for the man, um, and he was just a great leader. 
So these are sources. Uh, there are others. Um, yep. God Day, um, you know, Churchill, like I said, Eisenhower. There's a lot of uh, successful leaders that have there have been writings about them. And that's one thing Maxwell does, by the way. In his mm-hmm. books, he always references these other leaders, and he usually tells short stories about them that are very interesting and um, one of the reasons why I like his work so much. Yeah. Awesome, and I like your definition. Leadership is the art of motivating to want to struggle, motivating others to want to struggle for shared aspiration. Yeah, I wish I could call it my own. I, the word motivating could be replaced by mobilize. Uh, there's oh, yeah, yeah. You could mobilize others to want to struggle with shared aspiration. But I heard that years ago at a large client I had, and I wrote it down, and it's the best definition I've seen because uh, if you can get your folks moving and headed toward shared aspirations and we're to a point that they want to struggle to get there, you're a leader. Yeah. Oh, that is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I came from the military and the military is, I think the best leadership school in the world. Um, they teach you that you, uh, you have to be a leader that the people are willing and want to follow. Uh, because in, in a military situation, you don't always have time to explain why, uh, sometimes you have to uh, say, let's do this, or we're going to do this, and everybody falls in line and wants to do it because they want to. Now, yep. not all military the trust leaders is there. are good leaders. They've got to have right. trust. Trust is a yep. huge thing. Yep, um, huge. Yep. So well, there are so many good reasons why I wanted to interview you and have you on this call, and you've far exceeded even what I expected in regard to your insight and your wisdom and your confidence and your openness and sharing. Um, one last question, and it's a, a little bit of if you could go back and give yourself some advice from when you started your business around things you should do and don't want, make sure you do and don't want and make sure you don't do, um, what would you give yourself, advice would you give yourself? From what you know today. Hmm. You know, Susie, that's, that's a real hard question uh, because I I think about it and I have thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't say that I would have done anything uh, different. I wanted to be uh, a, a trainer when I was in the corporate world. I came out of the military and went to work for a large company. And while I was there, they would send us to classes and these outside trainers would come in and they would do their thing for two or three days or a week and they would be gone. I thought that was cool. I think I could do something like that. But it took me 10 years before I ever had a way to do it. And it was buying this mm-hmm. franchise. So, but once I started off this franchise, kind of following their their plan and their playbook, and did that for a lot of years. Along the way, I evolved into strategic planning, for instance, which was that was very interesting and 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 works very well. Done a lot of those, and then um, probably ten years ago, uh, the need one of my clients had a need for uh, leadership coaching. And uh, I had the audacity. By the way, I think a good coach has got to have audacity. 
Mm-hmm. You have to have the audacity to sit down in front of someone who is maybe uh, the president of a company and mm-hmm. believe that you know something that will help that individual. And you've got to have the courage to share it with them. And for me, it was an evolution process. By the time I got to that point, um, I was sure that, because I'd seen enough to say, man, this doesn't work. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And so yeah. I kind of evolved into the coaching. Um, I don't think anybody can really come out of the suit, uh, particularly out of college or something, and inspire to be a executive coach, um, in my opinion, because you just got to suck wind for a long time and learn stuff right. uh, before you can go out there and, and do it. So um, I don't know what advice I would have given myself, maybe be more patient, um, <laughs> Because I was short on patience for a long, long time, long time. Um, but my faith has a lot to do with my work. God's been good to me over the years, uh, and I've had fortunate things to happen. Had some unfortunate things happen, like the story about my son. But all in all, I'm very happy with where I am today and uh, what's happened in my career. So there's not much I think I would change. Right. Well, I wouldn't change a thing because you've been a blessing in my life just to be able to call and shoot shoot ideas around. And like I said, I always know you're going to give me the straight-up insight, and we just always have a good time sharing information, and you know a lot. And um, you've been awesome on the call today, so I just appreciate you sharing your time um, and your insight. And what I want to do is give people a way. You had told me when we started that you had taken your website down, so people can't find your website right now because you're. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, you took it down because you're you're maybe making some decisions on what you're going to do next. Is that right? Correct. Correct. If somebody did want to reach out to you to talk about uh, some coaching, maybe they want coaching from you, or they would like one of their executives to be coached by you. Are you open to that? Certainly. Certainly. Okay. How would they find you or reach you, Greg? Um, well, there's a number of ways. Of course, they they could uh, they could let you know, and, and you can let me know, or they could use uh, email me or call me. So okay. Uh, so what? Let's give that information here, and I'll put it in the show notes, um, so it'll be online, so people can go to the show notes and find. All right. I told you that Greg was uh, someone who was forthright and good person. I hope you feel that way. And I hope you've gotten some good tips and insights from this interview. The show notes for today's show is at pricelessprofessional.com slash 360feedback, 360feedback. And in the show notes, I will have a sample of a 360-degree report. So you can kind of see what we were talking about and what he was referencing. And I'll also have some more information on 360 degree feedback. I have written numerous articles. I'll have links to those articles. Uh, we talked a little bit about the assessment tool that I use, which is 2020 Insight. Uh, there, that is available to be used. I could actually help you administer a program of 360 degree feedback. I can train your facilitators or I can facilitate it. Uh, your coaches as well. And in addition, the tool is for organizations that are large, and then there's another tool for small companies. So if you wanted to take this out and do it on your own as a as a consultant or a small business, uh, there are tools there that, to that as well. So I'll see you'll see those in the show notes. Again, it's pricelessprofessional.com forward slash 360 
feedback. If you'd like a complimentary consulting call to just go through what you're thinking about and to go through, you know, whether it's a good time to do this, uh, is it the right thing to do, I'd be happy to um, talk to you about that. You can just reach me, send me an email. You can find all my contact information at pricelessprofessional.com slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E, all lowercase. So the next episode, episode number nine, is going to be what, why, and how, a little bit more of that around 360-degree feedback. And it's going to be about you know why feedback is important and why I believe this could be a great tool. And we'll just go into more depth around some of the mistakes people make, uh, you know, when people hate 360-degree feedback and where Greg was initially, it's how it's how it's executed, you know, how you facilitate it, how you roll it out. So I'm going to give you some key tips on that. So episode number nine is uh, will be available uh, in a couple of weeks, and you can always find it at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. That's my podcast directory, and you can see all the podcasts there. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate your participation. It's great fun creating these podcasts, and I've been playing with my microphone. I have a good microphone, but I have had a kind of a tinny sound. So while I have been recording this, not while I was doing my interview with Greg, but while I've been recording the intake and the outtake of this, I've had a blanket over my head. Isn't that funny? I'm trying to figure out how to soundproof everything so things aren't very tinny sounding. So uh, playing with that, all the fun parts of of technology and uh, getting to do different things in figuring out how to do actually do a podcast. So anyway, just a sidebar there. Everything's good here. I hope it's good in your world. I hope you have a great, great day. Hope these tools have been support to you and helpful. If you'd like to subscribe, if you go to wakeupeagerworkforce.com, uh, you can find the button to subscribe via iTunes. So it's always there in your podcast app. Or if you have Android, there's a Stitcher app that you can get that will also have the episodes just show up. What I'm doing is an episode every two weeks. I'm trying to do two episodes a month is my focus. So anyway, all the best to you. Glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of of this and uh, take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 